I'm kind of leaning towards supply and demand theory. <laughs> Just straight horniness. <laughs> uh, you know. Like in the Navy, there's more gay guys in the Navy than the Army, right? Because they're on boats, isolated. Uh, I don't know. I, I have I have no no comment on that one. I'm not sure. No. I mean, the idea sounds good. I mean, the village people did have a song called <laughs> In the Navy. And I'm pretty sure that the United States Navy was not excited about that, but it may have helped their um, it may have helped their recruiting a little bit. Gosh. Episode eleven, and we are recording outside in the sun, out at the Doctor Bob Ranch. All right, so we're live from Witt, Texas, on episode number eleven at Dr. Bob's Ranch. Yes, and the title of this is going to be Podcasting and Buck Blasting. <laughs> so we're actually on a picnic table in front of the little farmhouse waiting on a deer to walk by. And we do have a loaded gun, very close. Just in case. But, I mean, it's the middle of the afternoon. Well, it's late morning, so the odds are low. Although we did just see a couple of deer. So, Bob, this is a this is an interesting place out here. I've been out, coming out here for years. You want to tell the, the uh, all of our listeners and our Russian listener a little history about where we're at, how it came to be in Dr. Bob's family? Well, so uh, this area was, you know, very rural. And my family, the ancestors to my family, came here shortly after the... Uh, war for Texas independence. So right around the 1840s, 1850s, they first came here and they came here from South Carolina. Um, the story is, is that there's a large uh, group of people with my same last name living in South Carolina. And there's a plantation named with the same last name as me in South Carolina. And uh, there were two factions to that family. One part of the family was cool with owning slaves and the other part of the family was not cool with owning slaves. One part of the family was very wealthy and owned a lot of slaves and a plantation and the other part of the family was poor white trash and could not afford slaves therefore they didn't really <laughs> so they had higher moral values based on uh yeah, based on book. <laughs> exactly. Based on like the economic uh turmoil that they faced. But um so anyhow, the poor white trash part of the family packed up and said, you know, screw you. We're going to move to Texas. So they came down to this area, put down some roots. Um, the original property was 5,000 acres. So the whole area that we are surrounded by was once upon a time uh, owned by my family. Wow. And uh, slowly but surely, there was a great uncle who had a gambling problem, and he slowly but surely gambled most of it away. So they came out here in the 1840s? Yeah, 1840s and 18, 1850s. So that was right after Texas Independence, right? Right. And then, uh, so, <clears throat> they came here, and um, the uncle's family, the great uncle's family, you know, gambled most of it away. And then when that side of the family finally passed in the 1940s, 1940s, 1950s, uh, it got passed on to my grandmother, my father's mother, and um, she passed in nineteen in the nineteen eighties, nineteen eighty eight, and then my father inherited it, and by that time, <clears throat> it had pretty much dwindled down to two hundred acres, which by today's standards seems like a lot, but uh, by in those days, those standards <laughs> that was uh, we were actually one of the smallest pieces of property out here. We were smallest ranches out here, uh, and. Ironically, present day, we are the largest ranch out here because everything has just been cut up and uh, people have made these, you know, little 10, 15 acre ranchettes and, uh, you know, and put 50 cows on it. Right. Which I feel like it's accelerated since COVID started. It seems like every time yeah, I come out here, it has more what, and more. And what's happening is like people are selling their three bedroom, two bath house in California for, you know, a million and a half dollars and they're coming out here and they're buying these 15 20 acre uh plots for 
you know, $350,000 and then building a $300,000 house on it, they're still, you know, almost a million dollars up. You, so can't, you can't blame them, though. No, no. It's I, a beautiful area. It is a beautiful area. And it's quiet. It's clean. Um, lots of wildlife. It, it, it's a beautiful place. I, I love it. I mean, I come out here as much as I possibly can, you know, to work and keep everything, try to keep everything uh, running smoothly, keep everything clean. The winter time for me is the best time out here because there's not a whole lot of work. You know, there's not a lot of mowing, not a lot of cleaning of fence lines. So winter is when I get to come out here and like kind of relax and go hunting and, and just quiet me time instead of coming out here and busting my ass all day in the heat. Yeah, no, and we've had quite the morning out here. We've been out uh, deer hunting. I'm not much of a deer hunter. I've got a bit of a restless soul. Uh, I can't stand still too often. But I was surprised. We we saw quite a few deer this morning. And it was an odd thing. Like, I saw three or four bucks, uh, medium to small to large, and didn't shoot any. But we didn't see any does, which is odd, because usually you see more does than bucks. Now, I've got I've got a couple theories on why that might be out here, Bob. Well, I mean, it was weird, because, yeah, I didn't see any does either until... I left the blind and got back to the house and there were doe all around the house. Hmm. <laughs> and then and then a couple of buck came out chasing the does around the house. Do you think the bucks we saw this morning hanging out with each other that they possibly were gay bucks? You know, um I would not be against i would not say that that is an unnatural thing i would think that there is a possibility that maybe one buck could look at another buck and be like hey nice antlers want to bang and i don't mean bang heads supply and demand yeah i mean maybe there's less dough and now the buck are just they're chasing each other so does that i mean you're a certified phd biologist does that exist <laughs> in the real world outside of humans getting weird <laughs> Uh, there are some species of like, like dolphins there. There's always like in every species examples of homosexuality. So like the idea that it is actually unnatural is kind of like a false idea. Cause if it can happen, if it's can happen period. And we, you know, humans are, we have to follow the laws quote unquote of nature. So therefore if it can happen in na- naturally, then therefore it must be natural but you got to think the genes for that, because they're not reproducing. I mean, so you figure nature kind of takes care of that, right? I mean, they're not spreading more and more gay deer because they're not having babies if they're all gay. So then you have the straight deer making the babies. Maybe they're bisexual deer. Ah, so they're still, they're that makes still sense. passing it on. But is there, and then that brings up the other question, is there an actual gay gene? So there's debate on that. I'm kind of leaning towards supply and demand theory. <laughs> Just straight horniness. <laughs> uh, you know, like in the Navy, there's more gay guys in the Navy than the Army, right? Because they're on boats, isolated. Uh, I don't know. I, I have I have no, no comment on that one. I'm not sure. No? I mean, the idea sounds good. I mean, the village people did have a song called <laughs> In the Navy. And I'm pretty sure that the United States Navy was not excited about that, but it may have helped their um, it may have helped their recruiting a little bit. I do remember that one. You know, in the Navy, <laughs> you can sell the seven seas in the Navy. My dad did not like that song. Like he was in the Navy, but uh, did not like the village people. Well, now that we covered gay deer, um, there is a nudist camp colony down the road here. There is. Which is, there's a lot of weird stuff going on out here in the country. Well, I mean, it's secluded and it's private, so why not? I mean, if you want to go be nude, I don't know if today is the day. It's a little chilly. You know, one of their biggest activities they, they advertise is uh, nude square dancing. What? Poolside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine this. <laughs> I'm just, the other, I just, I mean, you know, part of me kind of wants to go hang out and just like see what it's all about, but... Another part of me is just like, man, I don't, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if I'm cool with that. Yeah, it'd get weird real quick. I think, I think things would escalate. Well, I just have a dirty mind, and 
I know if I saw like, you know, an old woman. <laughs> you know, I get some ideas. In her birthday suit, I'd be like, eh, you know, fuck mm-hmm. it, let's go. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, all right. So um I may hit on her. I may not. You know, maybe she'd be like, I don't come to places like this, get hit on. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're naked. Yeah, you're already on second base. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Shit, you're halfway home. <laughs> so, Bob, the real reason I wanted to talk to you today is I got an email from Mr. Steve Ranella, the meat eater guy. Yeah. 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 Met him a few years ago. We changed emails for kind of, you know, we're pen pals type deal. And he sent me an article on deer with COVID. Where up in Indiana, Indiana, they did a study on all the roadkill deer, and they said 80% of the roadkill deer had active COVID virus. So that's not antibodies. That's saying they had active coronavirus Mm -hmm. in their systems. Yeah. And I told you this, and you thought he was full of crap, but I mean, they were scientists. I mean, so deer with coronavirus... So I want to dive real deep into this, with especially with your background in uh, pathogens and biology and deer and everything else. I want to get your thoughts. I mean, how would a deer get coronavirus, first off? <laughs> or did it start with the deer? Maybe like how it started with monkeys, uh, like AIDS. Well, I mean, the thing is, these, these things are not uncommon. Like, And <clears throat> so just because like something test positive for a virus does not mean there's an active infection going on. So most, the majority of viruses are going to be for the most part, like generally speaking, species specific, meaning they're usually only going to be able to infect one type of species. You know, it'll be a dog virus or a cat virus. Hence the reason when your dog has a cold, you don't catch the cold from the dog and vice versa. But there are viruses and there are some points in time where like maybe a mutation will happen that will allow that virus to infect a different species. And that could be what's what the case is now. Now, whether it's the same coronavirus or maybe a different coronavirus, it just, you know, it depends. Like, because when they when they test for corona, when they test for the viruses, they're looking for a specific piece of the viral DNA and they're testing for that. And that's what comes back as a positive so it could be that it's a different virus, but it's got the same genetic component to that piece of viral DNA, or, or it is actually the same coronavirus. You know what I think when I hear the deer have coronavirus? Um, that we need to kill all the deer? No, no. Totally opposite. No. This is an opportunity. Because they got to be growing the antigens, uh, the antibodies, right? Mm-hmm. All in their lungs and their noses. But... You did say they tested positive for the virus, but not for the antibodies. Well, they had done tests before where they found antibodies in deer, mm-hmm. like similar percentages. But this is the first time they found the active virus, which part of that might be because they're actually roadkill deer and they've just lost it and they jump in front of cars because <laughs> they have the COVID. <laughs> they're like, this is it. 0.01% death rate. It's over for me. Yeah, like, uh, I might as well just go ahead and end it all right here now. You know, the, the animal world takes care of, of issues that way. This is true. Yep. Yep. Or maybe like COVID makes them more attracted to like loud noises. Or they can't smell. They lose their sense of smell. So now they're just like, oh, what are these lights over here? I'm going to go check it out. Wow. So that means we would... If that's happening, for real, that means the hunters are going to have a higher success rate with high COVID deers than non-COVID deers. They can't sell and smell. Well, then those two dumbasses that walked right next to definitely me this morning COVID. definitely had COVID. I had one uh, walk right at me. I Yeah. I had two of them come within 10 yards of me where I was at and just... <laughs> I, was like, I hope you stay stupid the bigger you get because right now you're too small for me to shoot. Gosh, just think what could happen now. Let's say you're, uh, you've killed a deer, and you're gutting it, uh-huh. and you pull the lungs out, the nose out, and they've got active virus in them. Uh-huh. Should we be worried? Well, I mean, I'm not that kind of doctor, but uh, I think I speak for the majority of humans on Earth when I say I don't really give a shit anymore. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, I'm over it. Um, I'm tired of it. It's been two years, and... I think that 
it's time that we accepted the fact that it's not going anywhere. It's no longer a pandemic. Like the amount of time has passed for it being a pandemic. That that moment is gone. It is now endemic. The the vocabulary has changed. It is now an endemic virus that's now going to be part of the the global ecosystem. And you know, just like the common cold, just like the you know the flu. Like once upon a time, the common cold was a global pandemic, and then. Through the course of time, as it established itself in the ecosystem, it became endemic, and now we just live with it. Like, it's not going anywhere. I'm sorry. You, even if you get vaccinated, there's still rates of uh, infection at post-vaccination. Um, so, you're just going to have to deal with it. It's going to be something that we're going to have to deal with, like just like the flu. You know, you can still get the flu after you get vaccinated. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, just get used to it. It's, it's not going anywhere. You're not getting rid of it. So either people wake up and, and start realizing that, or you can live with your head up your ass and a mask on your face for the rest of your life. You know, either way. Or you just be bold and dive in and make yourself some uh, lung and nose stew but and I get think, you some antibodies. But I think if you cook the lungs, that's going to kill anything. That's gonna, but it's also going to denature the antibodies. Like you're not going to get, it'll, it'll Nothing. destroy the antibodies. So like antibodies are made out of protein. Um, amino acid you know chains built into proteins that are shaped in a certain way and um when you heat proteins it actually it denatures the protein and changes the shape huh so you'd have to eat it raw you would have to eat it raw you would and maybe just maybe you'd be able to get antibodies (laughs) so if you just ate a raw deer nose (laughs) wow You'd have to be pretty hardcore to do that. You, just, uh, you know, um, some Indian shit I, there. Yeah, I just I'm, I'm imagining you getting a deer and then just, <laughs> just walking up and biting its nose off. That's some yeah, that's hardcore. Like I I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> like I've I've eaten some pretty messed up stuff, but just taking a bite out of a deer's nose. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's just an interesting topic. Hopefully, you know they don't find out that the deer are like making worse and worse covid viruses but the thing is like that's common you know that's not i say common it's not uncommon you know there's a whole field of epidemiology that deals with diseases that go from animals to humans and vice versa and then you know the the virus or the disease will sit in an animal it's called a reservoir for a certain amount of time at which point it you know, gains mutation after mutation after mutation, and then at a certain point, it is then now highly infectious to humans after all those mutations have occurred. It's it's not uncommon. People just don't hear about it because, uh, you know, oh shit, I, I don't know why this one is so, is so crazy. I think it's because it came from China and there was, you know, all these conspiracy theories about you know, lab leaks or coming from a bat or coming from a pangolin or something. And, you know, something's racist. So shit, you know, this virus is racist. I remember in the beginning, they said that, you know, people of color were more susceptible to COVID. And I'm like, holy shit, we got a a racist virus. How does that work? And um, uh, it's just, I don't, I don't know why this one is so crazy because there's been, there's been a case of like hantavirus in, in New Mexico that, killed a couple of people and you know epidemiologists like rushed to new mexico that one's called the sin nombre s-i-n nombre virus uh that comes from rodents you know uh there's all kinds of things that come from animals that have infected humans in the past mers the middle eastern respiratory syndrome had a mortality rate of over 35 percent that came from camels but nobody heard about that that was just a couple years ago i think it was like 2015 you know could you imagine a respiratory syndrome, similar, same family as, as coronavirus, same family as SARS, and a 35% mortality rate. That would shut down everything. That, that's, and think of what happened in the last two years, how much got shut down as a result of a 0.01% mortality rate. Unbelievable. Anyways, we're going down a bit of a negative hole here. Let's, let's pull it back up to the surface. 
Um, oh, you got me all fired up now. I know. Let's talk about deer again. So let's talk about deer. So Bob, these deer I saw this morning. You know, they're they're young bucks. They're in good shape though. But I would say they're a little fat. I mean, these are the <laughs> fattest deer I've ever seen in my life. Well, they've they've been well fed for quite a while. There's lots of plenty of food out here. Um, one of the things that we've worked really hard to do is to maintain the basically mostly like the wildness of the property but you know to have enough area where we've planted that gives them enough food so there's plenty of woods in this property plenty of like creek bottoms plenty of places for them to bed down and uh and at the same time there's plenty of food we got multiple fields full of like you know coastal bermuda grass i got food plots planted there's um, three feeders going all year round. Like I'm not one of these people that, you know, only fills up deer feeders in October, a month before deer season starts. Like they're going all year round, so they are fed constantly uh, with either protein feed and corn or just corn. Well, let's get to the bottom. Of where I was hunting this morning, within 150 yards, uh, there were three corn feeders ripping. <laughs> Yeah, so these, these deer only, and are, two of them were mine. <laughs> yeah, so every property has at least one feeder out here. Yeah, and the and the guy across the fence, his feeder literally goes off for ten full seconds. Uh, yeah, so I let's dive into the feeder situation in Texas. I always thought it was kind of odd, but in Texas, when you hunt deer, you hunt deer ninety percent of the time underneath a deer feeder filled with corn. And a lot of people will, will feed them just for deer season. Other people like Bob uh, will feed them all year long. So I guess from a biologist's perspective, Bob, what does that have effect on the deer herd? Doesn't that bring them in closer where they can spread diseases more and make them more reliant on the feeders? I'm just curious, isn't there a negative aspect to, to feeders every 200 yards? There could be. Yeah, there, there definitely could be. Um, Obesity in deer is is obviously one thing that could happen, uh, which is what I wouldn't go so far as to say the deer out here are obese, but they definitely are going to have a little bit more fat than what some people are going to be used to, which makes them taste oh so much more delicious. Um, but as far as like uh, the the population density and leading to disease, that's that's where we come in. We are the people, we're the, we are the herd managers that are going to do our best to keep the population from getting too high. Now, like right now, the, the population deer out here is, is really high. So we've, we've got to do our job and knock them down a little bit. So we've only taken uh, large bucks in the last few years. We haven't taken any does or small bucks, only large bucks. So there's been a lot of babies born. Now, one of the other reasons that we have we have the, uh, the so many feeders out and we, we keep them going all year round is because of all those babies being born we want them to have the best nutrition when they first start out because that nutrition is also going to translate and show itself in the antlers in the racks of the bucks so like if you've got you can have a uh, an old buck but if he's got bad nutrition his rack's not going to look it's not going to look good so you're looking at these deer not from a wild deer perspective, but almost more of a managed agricultural, almost like a, like a herd of cattle. Exactly. Exactly. Because I, I'm like, I, I know like, it's always nice to have, you know, to get a nice buck and like get his antlers on the wall and et cetera. But the main reason that I hunt and that my family hunts out here is, is for meat. And that's, and there's nothing, nothing tastier than the deer out here that are, pretty much like corn fed all year long like you can't tell the difference between the deer out here and a high quality beef steak as far as like taste and texture goes and if we get one this afternoon i guarantee you i'll throw a steak on that grill right over there and i'll show you exactly what i mean that's a pretty bold claim there because we'll, we'll clean them i will clean them like immediately like some people like to hang their deer whatever no that's a bunch of shit because it's not, it's not, it's not cold enough. So you, the reason to hang the deer is to get the meat as cold as possible, as fast as possible. Because that's what causes gaminess is when that meat stays warm, 
And then it starts to break down as a result of like decomposition and the bacteria that are, are actually starting to decompose the meat. That's what causes the gaminess taste. So if you take a deer and you clean it immediately and you butcher it immediately, there is going to be zero gaminess to that meat as long as you're using clean utensils and you once you get it butchered and you get it clean, you get it in, in bags and get it in the freezer as fast as you can. So you just grill your deer just straight like oh, steaks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I take the hind quarters and I cut it into steaks and um, we get one tonight. You'll see. It's, it, it'll be delicious. That's uh, you see, I, I imagine a lot of people, especially our Russian fans, are like, what are you guys talking about? Feeding deer nonstop. You know, I think part of the, the difference here in Texas is that, you know, we're in Texas where 99% of the land is private. Yeah. So we don't have these big swaths of thousands and thousands of public acres like Colorado, Utah, or anywhere else where you can go hunting and stalking. Here, I mean, we're on 200 acres, and that's a, that's a huge plot for out here. So, and, and you got to compete with your neighbor who's feeding them corn. So, of course, you're going to throw down some corn because you want big fatty to hop the fence. And Yeah. And then the other thing that I've got that they don't have is I've got lots of woods. Because when they've come, they've come down from California, they all bought, you know, they bought a heavily wooded area. And the first thing they did was they cleared it, cut down all the trees. So, what that did for our place, that put a lot of pressure on our property because now all the deer have moved here like i can remember when i was a kid when this whole place was wooded and there weren't houses everywhere like you'd go you'd go an entire deer season without seeing you know two or three deer whereas now like every time i go out i'm seeing i'm going to see deer i'm seeing potential deer to shoot to harvest but uh you know i'm being selective on what I'm shooting like now, like it's, it's a given you come out here you come out, come to my ranch and you go hunting, you're going to see deer and you're going to have an opportunity to take a deer. It's just, you know, what are the rules that we have in place at the time? Like, so this year we're, you know, we want to harvest, you know, some does cause we've got a lot of does out here right now. Want to harvest does and only uh, large mature bucks. Like we don't want to take any, any small bucks that are, you know, less than less than eight points, we're going to leave them alone because we're going to give them a chance to grow for the next year. We're not taking spikes uh, unless it's an older spike, but we have done a tremendous job in the last like 10 years taking out the genetics that basically cause like a large spike buck to be present. So you're not going to see very many spike bucks out here either. No, they all had nice racks. But I yeah, saw this morning. Yeah, even the young ones, even the yearlings, mm-hmm. they they they've got six points. You know, Bob, you bring up an interesting point on the uh, people from our neighbors in California, and then Yankees from up north, even Coloradians. Anybody that's not from the Arkansas, Louisiana, Oklahoma area, I've noticed they come here. Even my neighbors, and the first thing they do is they try to cut down every tree and scrub that's not a big beautiful oak. And I don't think they understand the basics of erosion control. Because there's a creek that goes by my house, and all my neighbors that come from California, the first thing they do, they clear-cut everything, and they just have a few trees. And, and then, then the, <laughs> and then their backyard starts falling into the creek. They don't understand why half their yard washes away. <laughs> and they look at me like I'm the redneck, because I, I just got a big old wilderness jungle behind my house. But, hey, you know, it hadn't washed away. No, no. And, like, if you look straight ahead of us, you know, you see that tree line over there. That's, that's where the creek is. And... Um, and the same thing is, has happened here, you know, across the street, down the road, you know, behind that guy's house over there, you know, he cut down all the trees around the, uh, around the Creek. And every time it rains, it floods his, his yard floods and it washes away a bunch of his yard. Whereas like before there was enough trees actually in the Creek bottom and on the bank, it would, you know, it would just kind of slow that water down to where it would not just overflow as fast. And now, and you know, they removed all the trees. So then the flow of the creek changed because there was nothing slowing that water down. And now that water comes up, up to his house and floods it. You know, what's funny. I bet you, he still does not admit that he's done anything wrong to his wife. Even when that, that house is fully flooded. Oh, well, I mean, he's ignorance. You, you, have you met him? No. Oh, um, I can't remember who I was with. They met him. He's, he's about 80 trailer guy. 87 years old. The and, smoker uh, guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a cool guy. I yeah. can't talk trash about no, him. No, he was, he was a nice guy. He's just, you know, 
Very industrious. Yeah, I mean, he's Jesus Christ. That guy's got something going on in his backyard. Mm, he's boy. just building all kinds of stuff. I mean, he's 87 years old, and he, he's got a motor that don't quit. Mm-hmm. Was that you? He was, like, flexing his biceps. He's like, feel my biceps. Yeah, yeah. this guy's, like, 90 <laughs> years old. <laughs> we were trying to buy a huge smoker off him that he built. And, uh, yeah, he started flexing. He, he had no sleeves on, had me squeeze his biceps. Like, well, hell yeah. Get you some. <laughs> He's like, my wife, she's 20 years younger than me. She still likes it. You know he's tapping that. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, dude. That guy, he's got energy. He's, I don't think he needs Viagra. He's good to go. He might be on a little TRT. He's, you know, I talked okay. to my doc. I might know a little bit about something. I was like, how, how long can you take this stuff? Like, oh, as long as you live, as long as you can handle it. And I was like, well. Now, is that a situation where, like, once you start taking it, you got to take it for the rest of your life? You don't have to, but I think when you come down that other side of the slope to where you were at before, I, I don't think it's any fun. Yeah. So okay. I have no plans of stopping it. I just, uh, you know, I think I've got too much test. I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, I'm, I, if I think if I got on TRT, I would, <sighs> something bad might happen. I think, Bob, you should get tested. I'd just be curious. We can do an over and under. I think I've got plenty. Like, I don't know if I even need to get tested. I think I've got plenty. Well, just for just for uh, scientific discussion. Oh, for the science. Yeah. No, do it for science. Okay. You know, that makes sense. I'd say you're pushing about 650. I don't Probably even, a little less than what you think. I don't even know what that means. Like, before I start, uh, I don't, I don't want to get too deep, but yeah. I was below 300, which is pretty piss poor. It's like 80-year-old man style. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've noticed, you know, before you went on the therapy, you were getting kind of skinny. I was getting a little wussy too. A little grumpy. You were like 185 Grouchy. pounds? Yeah, I was under 200. Now I'm not 215. Ripping are you, it. Are you still not lifting weights or anything? Well, I still lift weights, but I, I'm more into lifting men these days. Oh, yeah? My jujitsu. Oh, I was about to say, I was about to give a dirty joke. <laughs> <laughs> Lifting men into your mouth? No. no. <laughs> mouth closed. <laughs> you don't want a mouthful of that, trust me. Uh, men are sounds, gross. Sounds awful. <laughs> I, would be the, I would be the weirdo that just wants to, like, roll with chicks. Yeah, you don't want to be that guy. Really? No, 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 no. Because, I mean, I feel like some of the chicks are like, I want to roll with a dude. I'd be like, let's go. You know, for ladies, I was talking to a single friend of mine, and she couldn't find any men. She said all the men are wusses these days. I was like, well, go to a jiu-jitsu gym. I mean, it's all men in there. You get, you, I mean, you start rolling around. Yeah, man. I, I'm going to have to agree that there are some there are some pansy-ass males out there now. And, bitch, uh, bitch, bitch is what they do. Oh, my God. And that's, you know, we were talking about this earlier. That's one of the things that it just it, – it really – makes my job as a teacher less enjoyable especially when i'm having to deal with a 17 or 18 year old male i'm gonna just go ahead and say it's 18 year old man and he just acts like a little bitch like i mean are you serious man like don't get me wrong i get it you know we all have feelings but holy shit you are you're being a total bitch right now do they ever start crying in yes. class? yes tears yeah oh my gosh i never saw that in high school no, no, me neither. Like, and, and hey, I get it, dude. Like, we've all, we've all had our hearts broken and, you know, mm-hmm. I get it, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Oh my God. But Jesus Christ, dude, like pull yourself together and at least wait till you get home or something. But, and, but you know, that's, that's kind of like the, the culture that society has created is just, no, oh, it's okay to be in touch with your feelings. You know, women don't need a strong alpha male. They want a man who's in touch with... No, no, they don't. Like, there's no woman I have ever met... Any, well, let me rephrase it. There's no woman I've ever met that I think is worth, uh, worth anything that would want a man who would sit there and, like, cry in, in class. Uh, do you ever feel like just slapping them? Yes. All the time, huh? Yes. It's like, you know, my brother, he's got one rule with his kids. Don't be a bitch. That's it. That's his number one rule for his kids. Like in everything. They do sports. Hey, don't be a bitch. Go up there and you go all out. You give it everything you got and you leave it on the field. But don't be a bitch. Is that his prep talk, like to his nine-year-old son before he uh, (laughs) hits the t-ball field? Before he goes up to the plate. (laughs) What's the rule, son? Don't be a bitch. That's right. (laughs) And and, and when he told me that, 
I was like, man, I don't know if that's a good idea to say that to your kids. And then I thought about it and I started comparing my brother's 10 or nine and 12 year old sons to these 17 and 18 year olds that I deal with. And I'm like, Brian, I think uh, oh, I said my brother's name, edit that out. I think you're on the right track telling your kids not to be a bitch because let me tell you, dude, those, his 12 year old son will beat, beat your ass. Like he ain't scared. Like he'll pull, he'll pull the trigger. They're very aggressive. I've only experienced fishing with this kid and uh, I caught a fish and he got very pissed at me. And then it was a full on competition, how he had to catch a bigger <laughs> fish than me. So I was like, geez, man, you need to chill out. I Dude, mean, all his kids are crazy competitive. All of them. Like the oldest one is, so the oldest daughter is crazy competitive, both academically and athletically. The, the next oldest is the, I guess, second, the second daughter. She's crazy competitive academically and intellectually. And then the two sons are just, they're, they're competitive about every single thing. Like, oh, you think you can shoot better than me? Prove it. Cause I ain't no bitch. Like, <laughs> and he just like, stares you right in the you, eyes. You think you can catch a bigger fish than me? Okay, it's on now. Cause I ain't no bitch. Like, and and I appreciate that mentality. Cause like, it's good. I think that it's going to take them a long way in whatever they do. Cause they're just there means they're going to be successful in whatever they do. They're not going to be a bitch about it. They they are going to get in a lot of trouble on the way. But that's fine. That's fine. Like, so what? It's, Trouble in what? In school? Well, when he gets pulled over by a cop at 16. I, hey, well, I ain't no bitch, sir. Well, I don't... I, I think he's... I think those kids have been taught a little bit better than that. To That's not a time where you say, I ain't no bitch. Right, you gotta put some guardrails up. <laughs> can't tell everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's not one of the times where he would be like, don't be a bitch. <laughs> you show that cop you're not a bitch. No, that's not one of the points in time. But uh, Well, I'm looking forward to getting your brother on this podcast one day. Yeah. One day, I don't think it's going to happen just because of his job, um, but maybe, maybe we could give him an alias and tell everybody like he's a plumber or something. Yeah, he's definitely not a plumber. No, he's not. <laughs> so, all right, we don't need to get too deep into that. No, all you need to know is that uh, the family crest at his house, it's got the name and then below it, it says, don't be a bitch. <laughs> it's got a big eagle on it too. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man well let, let's talk about uh cooking deer so you know all my buddies besides bob out here they they pay all this money for leases and this is the texas thing to do you pay two thousand dollars a gun for a deer lease and then you pay about ten thousand dollars for your fancy stand and then you pay your thousand dollars for the corn and the feed and a lot of deer leases this is a requirement to become a member to be lucky enough to pay your two thousand a year just so you can have a gun and then you're limited to let's say two bucks and maybe a few does so yeah, but, yeah depending on what county it is yeah well and the lease itself will have its own special rules yeah and i'm just blown away by this uh i you know and then they shoot something and they never process it themselves they'll gut it and then haul it off to a processor and then pay another couple bucks a pound to have it processed so by the end of this i'd say you're in it probably 50 or 60 bucks a pound for this deer meat yeah so we did a we did a calculation um cory and i did uh on a deer that he got that he took to a processor and all the money that he had spent on before he had gotten that deer and it came out to 70 dollars a pound <laughs> <laughs> and the meat's not even that good just go buy a steak right yeah, yeah. Like $70 a pound, and he got that shit back from the processor, and it was gamey as hell. Oh, and, uh, my gosh. Because, you know, you know cause what the processor does is it, it hangs it hangs a deer in a refrigerator, and uh, if you've ever been inside one of those refrigerators, they stink. They smell like a gamey, gamey animal. So I'm convinced that when they hang that deer in that refrigerator, that the gaminess will transfer from one animal to another. And the bacteria is, is basically just living in that in that uh, in that refrigerator. 
Now what if now this is my buddy. I'm showing Bob a picture that he went out to Colorado oh and he shot it. Oh my god, that elk. is a gigantic elk. That thing's probably it's at least a thousand pounds. He shot that thing with a bow? With a bow, right in the freaking heart. Good lord. First time he'd been elk hunting. I think at some point, one of my deer hunting buddies, we're gonna have to go elk hunting. And well, I'll just be there for support. I think I think uh I think that deer hunting buddy needs to be me. You think so? I think I think uh, next year we need to put in for an elk hunt in Colorado. I hear Colorado's where it's at. Either that or we're going to go to Alaska. Shoot a moose. They have elk in Alaska too, I think. No. Remember we talked to them. Oh. It was too far north for the elk. Okay. So, yeah, and there are meese or moose. Do you call them meese? Moose. Moose, moose everywhere up there. I think a moose might be too much. Because that's like a 2,000-pound deer. That elk is probably a couple thousand pounds. But I hear elk is a better-tasting meat. Well, the thing is, our odds at our first time going hunting some large, huge, giant, I mean, something like that, we're probably not going to get it. Well, who knows? I mean, the other thing is, like, we're not going to be sitting next to a feeder either. <laughs> we're <laughs> no. Gonna, we're going to be hiking our asses off in the mountains yeah. trying to catch up to an elk. <laughs> but you know something i always wanted to do was get out there in the where they're calling i think that's the coolest thing ever to hear them yeah. <laughs> hear them bugle yeah that that would be cool as hell but I, I think i think we should do that we should look into that here in a little bit and uh see what we got to do to draw a tag well i think the problem out there is the actual rifle season's probably only a week that's why most of it's bow season and i don't know about shooting an arrow at something that big I know. How long has it been since you shot a bow and arrow? Uh, like uh, since I was a little kid. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a bow and arrow guy. M- me neither. Like I'm the same way. Like I, I would rather go with a rifle. So, but I mean, it'd be cool. If, oh, look at that! It's a red-tailed hawk. See him right that's there. Cool. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, it'd be cool if we could if we drew a tag. No, wait, that's not a red-tailed hawk. That's an American kestrel. Yes, that's a kestrel. Anyhow, um. Dude, no, but if we could just draw a tag, just one of us. Screw right. it, dude. We'll just, I'll, we'll pack just up. Go out there. We'll just go. What's N- the worst that can happen? Like, uh, we go have a great time, don't get an elk, or we go and have a great time and get an elk and come back with a thousand pounds of meat. We'd just be heroes. That's an instant lay when you get home. Yes. I think so. Like, you don't understand. Like, last week I came out, and I didn't get a deer. And when I left the house, Bridget gave me, like, the speech from 300. You know, like, come back with your shield or on it. She's like, come back with a deer in the cooler, or you come back in the cooler. I'm like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> And I came back, and no deer in the cooler, and she just looked at me. Like, she was excited when I walked in, but then when there was no deer, she was not excited. Wow. You, you know another option, Bob? Uh, when you go outside of Decatur, Texas, on 281, on the north side. <laughs> Pick up a deer off the side of the no, road. No, <laughs> there's a guy with a herd of elk out there. Yeah, really? Yes. We could just go up there, maybe pay him 1000 bucks, take a shot at one, 50 yards. But we could set it up like we're in the mountains, you know, like a big field. That way we can get the pictures. Make a YouTube video out of it? Mm-hmm. Kind of like mm-hmm. what we did at the with the fish up in Oregon. Oh, yeah. We went to the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the rainbow trout farm <laughs> we're fishing out of these concrete pools and the way it's set up you know you pay a little bit to go down to the pool that's got the six inches but then he's got the lunker pool where you got to pay twenty dollars to fish it and this is the size i'd say of a large deep hot tub <laughs> and we got these two fish are probably 10 pounds a piece and we had to go walk off into the woods to get away from the parking lot so we can get our our pictures to look like real men <laughs> Like we caught these giant fish, which I played it off to my buddies that, hey, you know, we're awesome Oregon fishermen here. Oh, yeah. Dude, no. When I sent my sister that picture, she was just like, where are you? You've got to tell me where you are. And I was like, dude, I'm right behind the house, man. I'm in the creek behind the house. Like, I can't believe you haven't caught any any trout out here. She's like, you mark that area right now with a red flag. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to tell her that it's at the trout farm. Yeah. If anybody goes out to uh, around Hood River, Oregon, we highly suggest going to the Rainbow Trout Farm. It is a good, good time. If nothing else... You can catch a lunker trout and take a picture with it. Yeah, and the key is a spinner and hook them right behind the gills because they're not gonna they're not gonna bite fresh bait. 
They've seen it all. Yeah, they yeah the ones that are still left in there they don't they don't care about you at all. No, it's they're, all about foul hooking. Yeah, they're waiting for the guy to come by and throw a bucket of chum in the water <laughs> to, to eat it. Like they do not give a shit about anything that you have. So you just throw it in there. It's kind of like sometimes catching the salmon out in Alaska. I mean, you just kind of throw it in there and hoping you hook something. Right. Hoping hope you hook it in the mouth. I like this idea about the elk hunting. I, I don't know any details or how to do it, but. Like going to Colorado? Yeah. Dude, I think, you know, I think we should, what we should do is, we need to do some research, obviously. Uh, I think it's probably too late to put in for it this year, but put in uh, to get a tag for next year, and we can do, like, put in, one of us put in in Colorado, one of us put in in Wyoming, or both of us put in for both, and just... Or Idaho? Or Idaho, and just see what happens. You know, I have a brother in Idaho who's got a ranch that has elk. Well, that's uh, that's something to consider. Guess what his name is? John. Bob. <laughs> his name's Bob. Does he go by John because he doesn't want to go by Bob? No, his name is actually Bob. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I should maybe I should call him up and be like, hey, uh, can uh, can we come up and kill an elk? I have no, I haven't seen you in then <laughs> fifteen years, but sure it would be nice to come hang out and you know you let me shoot an elk. You know, but like my family. Uh, has a big ranch in northeast New Mexico. Like big, like a couple hundred thousand acres next to Ted Turner. What? And we went out there. Your family has this? Yes. And they do antelope hunting, but they do elk hunting out there too. Uh-huh. And I was like, how does the elk hunting work out here? And he's like, man, these guys come every year. They buy our tags. It's like you can't just show up and just buy a spot for elk hunting out here. Like it's it's a serious business, and the way that it works is that those elk come off the the mountains, off in New Mexico. They come down. This is out by Philmont Scout Ranch. Yeah, and they come down and they feed in their uh, their pastures out there because water is pretty rare, and the the game people give them so many tags to allow the elk to feed there. Then they're able to shoot the elk. You look. You just look dumbfounded. Right Your now. family owns a ranch that has elk on it. And we're talking about going to Colorado, yeah. And putting in for a lottery tag. Yeah, I, I mean they're they're great people, but you know my dad's very difficult. So growing up, they kind of look down on the people at the big ranch. So there's a little family tension there. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not saying it's not doable, but oh, you better start kissing some ass. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I don't know. I like I like Bob's ranch. Yeah, it's 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 peaceful out here. There's no drama. It's just like yeah, you know, right. I I don't I don't let the other thing is I don't let a whole lot of people out here. Like I really don't. Like you'll you'll probably be the only person I allow to hunt out here this year. Really? Other than other than my brother and his his children. Like I I just I don't I don't I don't allow people to come out here and hunt. Like and people ask me all the time, and that's one thing that kind of pisses me off is, you know. I'll tell people about this place, and the first thing they do is ask me if they can come hunt. Uh, like, no, hey man, we just met. No, you can't come hunt. Like, I don't, I don't even know you. No, I'm not gonna let you come out here and hunt. Huh? And, well, you know, they think I'm being rude, but I feel like they're being rude asking me if they can come hunt. I, I think this time's the f- first time I ever asked you to come hunt, but it was more just because I want to do the podcast. Oh. I'm not a deer hunter. As you know. Did you ask me to come hunt? I said, oh, yeah. hey, how about we come hunt and then we can podcast about it. Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, what anything we can do to up our celebrity, you know, up our internet uh, influencer status. There's probably a couple hundred, maybe let's say 400 people. No, probably 50 people listening to us. Yeah, maybe 50. But the good thing is, is like, here's what's going to happen. It's like, here in a little bit, we're going to go back out. And when we get back... We may add to this podcast episode about killing a deer. Bullwinkle. Well, Bullwinkle is a moose. <laughs> Probably no moose out <laughs> Probably here. no moose. No moose. But, I mean, that would be cool if, like, you know, we cut it off and, like, you know, if there's a second half to this, then that's because we got ourselves a deer. If there's no second half, then, you know, we got skunked. Well, somebody's got to shoot something this year so we can make some cooking episodes for you, Bob. True, true. And... You know, I'd, I'd like to do a video about cleaning cleaning and processing a deer because, I mean, 
<clears throat> I talk shit all the time about it, but I can, I can skin process a deer in usually an hour and a half. The well, whole thing, cut it up into steaks, stew meat, ground meat. Oh, I don't have a meat grinder on me right now, but you know, get it all ready to go in an hour and a half in bags in the freezer. Well, Bob, you know my dream is to uh, get a cow and process it ourselves. I've been talking about this for a couple of years, and nobody's jumped on board. But I think we can get a cow, like one of the black ones down the road, big one, big fat sucker. <laughs> that thing's like 2,000, 3,000 pounds, man. <laughs> you get that tractor, we wait till a real cold day, and we just start slicing her up. Oh, that sounds... You just dig a hole for all the guts to go in. And we lift it up with the tractor and butcher it right there. Bridget was telling me, uh, you know, I discussed this with Bridget ad nauseum. She hates this idea. Yeah, because so she she looked at me and she's like, "Have you ever processed a cow?" I'm like, "No, I haven't." She's like, "I'm like, but I've processed plenty of deer." She's like, "You don't understand. You're talking about a 180, 200 pound deer versus a 2,000 pound cow." I'm like, "Yeah, what's the problem?" <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, yeah. what, what's the issue? Knives. What's the issue? <laughs> More tractors. <laughs> She's like, first of all, you don't have the tools to do it. You can process a deer with a fillet knife. You can't process a cow with a fillet knife. I'm like, it's cool. I got a sawzall. Well, I'll get like, some tools. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know she crushes a lot of your dreams, but she did kind of crush my dream. <laughs> and then she comes out months later and says, Oh, I'm actually a certified butcher. Yeah, she is. <laughs> like, she's been through official training yeah. on how to slaughter uh-huh. and butcher a cow. Yeah. Like, she could just oversee us. She could. What? Dude, I say we wait till February. <laughs> good cold day out here. For February 14th. Yeah, we get one of them trailers. <laughs> and we go down to your neighbors, like, hey, how much for a black cow? <laughs> Load that bitch up. I'd say 2,000 cash, <laughs> and we could have, you know, just tons of meat. Black Angus steaks for, for dinner. They were some good-looking cows. <laughs> some good-looking cows. Do <laughs> you think your tractor could have one of them son of bitches? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. <clears throat> but, uh, well, here's the thing. We had to get it home. Like, where are we going to butcher it? Here? Yeah, you'd have to do it here oh, on the okay. outside. We could clear out that, that shed. We're going to need a lot of coolers. Yeah. Well, it'd be so cold, we can just load it in the back of the trucks. <laughs> With our luck, it'd be it'd be eighty degrees that day. <laughs> no, 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 that's that's the key. You gotta. Well, then you gotta let it hang too, right? Well, uh, you know, that's the. You let it hang to get the blood out of it, but I mean, it really shouldn't take that long to get most of the blood out of it, and then, even then, it's like I don't. It's the same philosophy I have with deer. As long as you get it cold quickly, then right. you should be fine. You know her idea, because you're talking about quitting your job. Yeah. yeah. Remember when we talked about setting up a butcher, a custom butcher shop? Yeah. You can set up your house, just build a like cinder block building, some big old freezers, and a little drain. I think there's like some health code regulations that are in with that. Well, yeah, she can stand. She's official. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying there's a lot of potential, because you know the butcher shops are backed up. Yeah, but I mean, I, I I taught myself how to process a deer. I don't even know if I'm doing it correctly, to tell you the truth. Because I don't do it. It's just like everything else I do, like cooking brisket, whatever. I don't process the deer correctly. I don't cut the steaks like everybody else does. What everybody else does is they, they like, when they take the hindquarter, they separate all the large muscles out, and they cut the large muscles into steaks, which is why, like, a deer steak is so damn small. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. Like, I debone the thigh, and then I basically roll the thigh over, and I cut the steaks through the entire thigh. So my deer steaks are the same size as a beef steak. Well, I think we'd have to go to school. You know, A&M has a great butcher in school. I'm sure there's one out here. We're in Texas. Yeah. Butchering everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's one at the junior college next to where I live. There we go. I'm just saying, if you do it, I, I, you've got my full support, and I will help you. Well, I appreciate it. You know, we could have a butcher slash small engine shop. Yeah, we just need something big with big coolers. That way we can <laughs> let them hang. Because that's our problem right now. You get stuff butchered, and they don't let it hang long enough, so people are pissed because they're running out of space. Or they let it hang too long in a cooler that's full of rancid, stinky meat. So what I'm thinking is we get a deal on these semi-trucks. 
um, trailer that's with the freezer yeah. already on it. Yeah. And then you just put some drains in that sucker. You can hang a lot of beef in a semi-trailer. Um, yeah. Got you thinking now. You do. You do. I'm also like, I'm. you know me, <laughs> dude. I'm a chicken shit. I'm like, I keep talking shit about quitting my job, but it's all about, <clears throat> am I going to be able to find it? I'm not going to quit my job until I find a new one. And then would I be willing to transition into full-time self-employment after that? That's a big, bold step. It is. It is. I want to get like, I've been slowly but surely like building up my savings to where like I would have enough in savings to where I'll be comfortable walking away from something and starting my own business. And I'm not there yet. I'm about halfway there. So I told myself once I got $50,000 in savings, like just hard cold cash in savings, 50 grand, that uh, I would... I would stop being a bitch and and actually like go pursue something else and work for myself. Wow. Cuz I think I feel like, you know, if cuz if everything goes bad, if shit hits the fan and I got 50 grand in 50 grand in my back pocket, like I can make it for at least a year. Right. If something goes bad. Well, you immediately you can start making money when your hot dog steam is uh I mean, that's a moneymaker right there. It is. And I, m- the biggest issue with that is I don't do it every day. If I did it every day, like on average, per per hour that I'm out there doing that, I'm bringing in usually about 80 to $90 an hour. That's on a slow night. That's just on average. Is there enough? So those of you who don't know, Bob, he does the rodeo, horse riding circuit, uh, makes hot dogs, hamburgers, tacos. Brisket tacos, chicken tacos. like. Uh, I love coming and hanging out with them because that's when I get all the free Cheetos and cookies and Dr. Peppers I'll never get at my house. <laughs> Which I really, you got the good stuff too. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. Nutter Butters. The Nutter Butters. <laughs> I had never seen a Nutter Butter or had a Nutter Butter until I started doing that, until I started cooking this deal. I, I started getting them when I, I donate blood every six weeks and I just clear up. It's like, you guys aren't paying me. I'm getting all the Nutter Butters and Oreos. I can stuff in my pockets. <laughs> <laughs> so I clear out the whole bowl. Nice. Yeah, I mean, if if I started doing that full time, like every day, I mean, I I think I could I think I could make a living on it. I really do. Well, you'd have the time and energy to expand it too. <clears throat> yeah, you know, and I've been looking into it, you know, buying like an actual like you know, fixed up, fully furnished like food trailer, cooking trailer that's got a kitchen in it and everything. I've been looking into that. Those are about, you know, the one that I was interested in is like 35 grand um, doing something like that. But like I said, that's a step that I'm going to take. I like, I've got to have, I've got to have that, that, that cash in my back pocket in case shit goes bad. Just because, you know, rule number one, you know, the first, uh, what is it? The first habit of highly effective people is be proactive. You know, I'm going to, I want to be proactive and have, Kind of like a safety net, just in case. Right. So I don't. What I don't want to do is I don't want to go into it, put myself down. You know, get a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar loan to get the trailer and get all the equipment and startup capital and everything, and then it just go to shit and I've got nothing. So I want to have I want to have something in my back pocket just in case. You know, another idea, Bob. Maybe you can talk to your family into like letting you have about five acres out here. Not that you don't already have it. But to put, you know, the big deal out here lately is RV parks. Throw yeah, an RV park on this sucker. My brother was talking about that. Um, uh, I'm not interested in having an RV park out here. You uh, white trash city. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Like this place is. It mean this place means too much to me, and I've I've spent too much time and put too much sweat and blood in this place to to do that. So, but my brother and I have talked about like purchasing some property and putting in an RV park out next to where I live. And, um, we just need to quit being bitches and pull the trigger and buy the property because every time we see some property, Mm -hmm. we're like, you know, we, we, you know, rule number one, don't be a bitch. Right. Well, (laughs) we, we keep, we're bitches because we see these properties like, Oh man, is this a step that we want to take? And we just don't do it. How would you manage an RV park? Let's say you got 40 RVs on that sucker. Well, you got a hot, the thing is, so 
first you got to get the property right and then you got to get the septic systems put in that's the money right that's, there that's you're talking about if you got a five acre rv park you're talking about a hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollars worth of septic systems going in and they're shoving all sorts of stuff down there you got kids yeah. and women and tampons and yeah just a mess and so um but then when you get people actually coming in and renting spaces you got to put them on auto pay 500 bucks a month yeah minimum 500 bucks a month all bills paid minimum 500 bucks a month um but that's just that's what you got to do and you got to put it on auto pay and you got to you know have them sign contracts auto pay through their bank account not through a credit card and uh that way you make sure you get your money i think that'd be an interesting interview if we can find somebody with an rv park and interview them and just hear about all the drama that goes on because that, that, i mean rv parks are a big deal out here in the country lately oh yeah well yeah because people can't afford People can't afford to buy a house now. You know, the the housing market has gone bonkers. It's it's stupid what's happening. And so they've raised the prices of houses so high that even if you do buy a house, when this market goes back down, like there's going to be so many people upside down in their houses and they're going to be stuck with, you know, $1,500, $2,000 a month mortgage that they're not going to be able to really handle once everything starts moving back down and so, you know, what do you do if you're if you're a redneck that's got a nice little job and you don't have student loans you got to worry about? Go mobile. You go mobile. You do, and you buy yourself a nice little camper. They're, you know, 20, you can get a decent one, $20,000. You don't need anything spectacular. $20,000, you know, that's what? 250, 300 bucks a month? Uh, Something like that? Uh, you know, I, I can't, can't do the math. It? It's $16 per $1,000. So what's 16 times 20? $320. $320 a month plus your insurance. So we're talking insurance for a trailer is $35 a month. And then your rent for the space, all bills paid, usually comes with cable, water, sewer. You're still 800 bucks a month. That's it. That's what you're paying. 800 bucks a month to live as opposed to trying to get an apartment like in in Denton or in Dallas somewhere, that's going to be $1,500 a month. You buy a house, you're talking about $1,500, $2,000 a month, you know, after you have to put down a down payment and you're saddled with a huge, you know, uh, a loan. It's, it, it's a good idea. And then you get the social aspect too. I yeah. Mean, RV park parties, you can't get any wilder than that. Everybody's no. got their own bedroom. And you live in that thing for five years and you pay on it for five years and you own it. You own it. Like, that's it. Like, no one's going to repo it. You own it. So let's say you're, you're a single guy. You know, you're, you're 20, 21 years old, feeling good, working the oil fields. Feeling good, looking good. Mm-hmm. You get your place in the RV park. What are the odds, do you think, that he gets somebody pregnant in the RV park? If I'm an oil field worker? Uh-huh. High. Very high. But, I mean... That's just part of it. That's just the yeah, circle but, of life. But guess what? Now you got two RVs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a retirement plan. <laughs> the kids yeah. already got a place to stay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but but with the money you're saving, you can you know get birth control. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, hopefully, if there's a nice young lady living in a trailer that is attractive and willing to have relations with myself that is the oil field worker that's got you're a, not the only guy that's got a pocket full of cash from the oil field and a refrigerator full of meth the idea is that hopefully she's on birth control do you think there's some working ladies around the rv park oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. door to dale or oh oh, sales. oh oh those kind of working ladies yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry um you know maybe not at the mobile rv park for the permanent maybe, maybe at the trailer, trailer the trailer park <laughs> maybe at that park it'd be interesting just to live there for a week and just see the shenanigans that go on uh, i bet it's kind of fun i really do i i, I agree I've, I've been to rv parks but more the vacation rv parks with the wise family <laughs> and it is a it's kind of a weird situation everybody's there super happy and friendly but then everybody goes hides in their RVs. Like, I think if it was more of a permanent RV park, you get more out in the social aspect. I I thought about it once upon a time. I thought about it just buying a, buying a camper and going living on an RV, RV park. I never did it. Yeah. 
I feel like I should do that at least once in my life. I agree. Well, when you, when you quit your job. And Bridget and kicks me out. Trucking for a living. <laughs> <laughs> you set it up in my backyard. I'll give you free septic. You can just plug right in there. <laughs> I don't I just need to, I don't know. I need to do something, man. Like, I need to do something different. Like, I need a change. That's, that's all I know. And um, maybe a change of career will... Will, will be the change that I need. I got a void that needs to be filled. And uh, it m- mostly needs, I need to be outside. I, being inside a dark gray building, it feels like a prison every day. I, I need to get out. I understand. Well, Bob, I say we wrap this one up. Head back out to the deer stand. Uh, yeah, and we, we, we slaughter Bambi. Let's do it. So it's about, well, I think we got about an hour, hour and a half until we should go back out. Or do you just want to go back out and get this little deer call going? Whoa, that just, that got me a little excited. I mean, let's do it. All right, so I appreciate you joining us, all all 2030 of you, and uh, we'll be back next week for more fun. We'll either be back next week or very, very soon with a post-hunting report. All right, this is uh, Mower Mike and Dr. Bob, rep. We'll see you guys next time. Uh...